1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live postgame show, and we get to say something we haven't been able to say in a long time. The Lakers won. They won. They beat the Golden State Warriors. LeBron James drops 56 points. We get to break down a victory. I love it. Sean Davis joining me. Sean, how are you?
2: The Lakers won, and that that's that describes how I feel. <laughs> Yay!
1: I mean, it's it's not a game that we were expecting them to win. Uh, the Golden State Warriors were on a three-game losing streak, and normally you would expect, oh, okay, well, if they've been losing, maybe you can can get a win on, on in on them. But the Warriors, and I saw a lot of Warriors fans that were kind of looking at this as their get-right game against the Lakers. But when the final buzzer sounds, it's one twenty-four to one sixteen. Lakers, and I guess the place we have to start, by the way, if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. I also, I guess before we get into all the nitty gritty, I should mention, just so you guys know, this: when we have a game on a Saturday night or Friday night, that results in like a bonus podcast for everybody. We do podcasts for you guys five days a week, Monday through Friday, every morning, there is a fresh LakersNation.com podcast out for you. And then when we get a weeknight game or a weekend game, I mean, that produces an extra podcast, which is what we're recording right now. So if you are heading to work, working out in the morning, whatever, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, check out LakersNation.com's podcast, and make sure you do give us a rating as well. I want to make sure I mention that. Just to put it out there so everybody knows what we're Good, doing on that, on that end. Yeah, a quick little plug there. But we need to really start things with LeBron James. I mean, LeBron, Jeez. my goodness, 30 or he's he's 37 years old and he just dropped 56 points in an nba game holy moly i mean what what do we make out of this is this just lebron's incredible i mean how how do we even take that how do you process a 37 year old (laughs) dropping 56 points
2: you don't you don't process it and he's just insane man and yeah, he dropped fifty set 56, my bad. Uh, he made some really smart, like, little plays defensively. He caused a charge late in that fourth quarter. Um, and, yeah, LeBron's just, LeBron's just insane. Uh, he had the, those three back-to-back threes. You're like, uh-oh, it's LeBron. The third one, you're like, uh-oh, LeBron. He checked and he knocked it down. But LeBron, when he gets going, man, he's just incredible. And this is why he's legit one of the greatest players of all time. And... He said after the game in the little post-game interview or whatever, it was desperation. And I already see some of the Super Chats coming in. But, I mean, LeBron knew the stakes of this game. They knew that they desperately needed one. And LeBron's showing, I mean, if this is really what he calls desperation throughout his career, when it's been a quote-unquote winner-go-home, it's not that situation yet, but we have to get a game. I mean, Lakers were sliding bad, and LeBron just dropped 56 Mm -hmm. at age 37.
1: I mean, absolutely incredible. We're right when the Lakers needed him the most. Here was LeBron James stepping up big time. Final stat line, 19 of 31 shooting. That's slightly efficient. Six of 11 from three, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. LeBron's even hitting free throws here. Uh, 10 boards, three assists, one block, four turnovers, 56 points. Oh my goodness. Absolutely incredible performance. From LeBron, so we've got a ton to talk about with that I'm already seeing a ton of super chats coming in all about LeBron James and what's going on with him in fact I should just I should just get into one of them here especially this first one I want to make sure I get the get the name on it so I'm getting this pulled up correctly but it said Le goat and uh, that's coming from Carson Parker the goat James I mean. This was, if you're going to say LeBron is the greatest, and I think there's arguments you can make, right? You can make an argument for Jordan. You can make an argument for LeBron. You can make an argument for Kareem. If you're going to make an argument for LeBron, you point to moments like this where he's 37 years old and he's dropping 56 on one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. Now, I didn't think they played great defensively tonight, but the Warriors have played better defense for much of the season and LeBron 56 points and gets the Lakers a big win. He's absolutely incredible, and we got to make sure that we appreciate him while he's here because, let's face it, 37 years old, we don't know how long he's going to play, but, man, is he still effective right now.
2: I'm not going to say LeBron's the GOAT because that's not what this show is for, for, you know, little hot takes or whatever, Mm -hmm. but if you want to make an argument for LeBron you just said it there, like, the biggest argument to make for him is his longevity. Like, for the most part... Those guys weren't doing it this long and still producing at this level. I know they should have grabbed like MJ doing it, but MJ had that gap in between, mm-hmm. right? Uh, after the first three rings, they had that gap and they came back. LeBron's done it for, what's this, year 19? Year 18? Uh, he just, 19. Yeah. And he just dropped 56 points. That's wild.
1: It's, I mean, incredible, incredible stuff. And again, right when the Lakers needed it, a uh, river of custard. Sounds thick uh, on YouTube said, Trevor, can we have a Rams player for each home game? Yes. Matthew Stafford sitting courtside. The last time the Lakers really picked it up and had a fun win was against the Jazz right before the All-Star break. And that's when Aaron Donald was sitting courtside. So that, that's what it is. You need a Super Bowl champ from the Rams sitting courtside and it, it raises the Lakers level of play. Maybe it's just inspiring. I don't. I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's a good rule. I, I think I think moving forward, you make sure that you've got one of the Super Bowl champion Rams sitting courtside for every Lakers home game.
2: Yeah, I mean, please. I mean, who's next? Is it Odell's Odell the one that we have to get into a Lakers game mm-hmm. next? And know LeBron's, uh really cool with Odell. I mean, who's up to that? We gotta get Bob Miller some courtside seats. Uh, is Cooper Cup into a game yet? I mean, how do we not have I'm the Super sure Bowl? He has.
1: He's got it. He was wearing. He was rocking the Kobe jersey at their their parade
2: at the parade. Okay. Well, we need we need we need him to. We we just need all the the Rams stars. Apparently, mm-hmm. the stars in L.A. That's what motivates this Lakers team. So let's just get them all. All the stars. All the Rams players. The court side seats, let's please.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Matty James said, "I don't get why we didn't see Wenyon Gabriel at all in this game." I was a little bit surprised. I thought that there were some moments where, yeah, the the Lakers looked. And I don't want to go too negative or whatever because they they got a win. But there were moments where the Lakers looked too small. Um, and in particular, <laughs> when you've got you know Klay Thompson is six six, you've got uh, even Juan Toscano-Anderson is six six. Then you've got guys like Jonathan Kaminga six eight. You've got these these bigger wing players that they've got on this roster. And the Lakers have a guy who's, you know, 6'2 at point guard, 6'2 at shooting guard. And then you've got, you know, like a 6'4 THT at small forward. Those size differences mattered when, especially when the Warriors, overall, the Warriors play small and the Lakers play small, but the small Warriors are bigger than the small Lakers. And that mattered in this game. And that's where a guy like Gabriel still has the versatility to switch out defensively. And he's 6'8", 6'9", something like that. So I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see him out there, but I'm not going to complain too much that Frank Vogel didn't put in a guy that's been with the team for less than a week.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to be too negative, but it was a specific lineup where I think it was Russ, Avery Bradley, DJ Augustine, maybe Melo was in that lineup, and somebody else. It wasn't a lineup with LeBron in it. And I'm like, yeah, this is a lineup where Winnie Gabriel would fit perfectly. As you said, he's lengthy enough, six nine, who could really who could defend a little bit out on the perimeter and can stretch the floor and knock down the three ball at, at a decent rate. So th- there definitely there definitely were times where I was like, okay, let's get Winnie Gabriel in here a little bit. So I definitely agree with that super chat. But I mean, again, I'm not gonna be too negative after tonight.
1: By the way, shouldn't come to any surprise. LeBron gets the 360 award. That's obvious. We will get into the next man up in just a little bit. Uh, Arnel Abialde said, John C. Riley on the sidelines got next man up. Shake and bake. Shake and and bake. He helped us out there. Got it going. Help the Lakers get that done. Oh, uh, here's another one. Alan Joseph. There were some stars in the building, by the way. Phil Jackson fired up LeBron is what Alan Joseph says. Phil Jackson in the, but that just felt, it felt right. Just seeing Phil back there at what staples center, crypto.com. I know, but staples center, Phil Jackson in the building. You liked seeing it. Um, I had some people that were on Twitter were speculating like, Ooh, how does Frank Vogel feel about this? I don't think it really matters for Frank Vogel. I think we know what's, what's coming this summer, depending some crazy turnaround or something here, but, but I, so I don't think it, changes anything for for Vogel at all but Phil Jackson in the building was good to see and no Phil Jackson is not returning to coaching or, or anything like that but just just nice nice to see him in LA out there checking out a game
2: I'd rather have Bill on the as the next coach next year over Mark Jackson. I mean, I know people keep throwing that one out, but that's not happening. So let's stop it, please.
1: <laughs> rather have Phil Jackson than than Mark Jackson. I like it. Hassan Clay, thank you for the the super chat there. We appreciate it. Didn't have a question, but just wanted to say thank you. Dejon King, is this the turning point game? Season no. starts now, right now. I mean, at this point, we're so far into the season. I'm not gonna say this is a turning point or anything like that. LeBron dropped fifty six. He's not going to do that every night. Shot great from the line. I mean, I'm going to take this game for what it is. We're going to celebrate, absolutely enjoy it. There haven't been very many moments to celebrate or enjoy for Lakers fans recently. So we're going to take that for what it is. But no, I'm not looking at this as like, oh, see, this is it now. Now everybody's in trouble because the Lakers figured it out. No, we're we're not going down that path tonight.
2: No. Let's be positive for one night. One night. We only get one night a year as Lakers fans. Let's be positive.
3: <laughs>
1: I'm not that guy. I said, unfortunately, it takes a 50-plus point game for the Lakers to have a chance against top teams. Look, th- let's, well, that's false. Let's just appreciate that he did put up a 56-point game, and the Lakers got the win. The Lakers got the win.
2: Uh, also, like, sorry to cut you off, but that's false regardless. like The Lakers just played the Warriors... Barely two and a half weeks ago, LeBron had a below average LeBron game. Anthony Davis didn't mm-hmm. play well, and they, what, lost by two? Yeah. So that's that's a false statement, in my opinion.
1: Uh, ATLian uh, said, make sure to have Cooper Cup in attendance during the play games. Yes. Might be needed. I mean, he's clutch, caught the, the Super Bowl winning touchdown. Yeah, Cooper Cup, I think that, that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, Big Meach said, "Are we going to talk about Melo's determination on the boards and timely yes. defensive effort? We're going to definitely get to Carmelo Anthony, but what do you think about about the performance from Melo tonight? I thought he had a really bad turnover in crunch time. By the way, I counted the Lakers had four, not just turnovers, but bad turnovers in the final three minutes, that maybe should have cost them the game. And I thought they were fortunate that they didn't. But that turnover aside, Carmelo Anthony." Had a block, 14 points, 8 boards. Those were huge. 2 of 3 from 3, 5 of 8 shooting, and the corner 3 that really put the nail in the coffin. So I thought this was a great performance from Carmelo overall, that last turnover notwithstanding.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to get into the turnover. We're going to talk about the turnover, I imagine, later. But Carmelo Anthony, I think that's a well-used well, well used or well-timed super chat. I forget who sent it, but Carmelo Anthony was phenomenal tonight. If you take away that turnover down the stretch, um, the defensive effort, I thought, was the thing that really stood out to me. We know what Carmelo Anthony can bring offensively in terms of spacing and knocking down shots, but his defensive intensity and effort, is it sustainable? Probably not. But, I mean, there were times where, and I know I've been critical of this Lakers defense this year, but I love the way Mm -hmm. they played defensively. And, there were moments for sure that the Warriors started knocking down a bunch of shots, where they kind of the Lakers kind of let up a little bit. But take out that second quarter, like if you can somehow ignore that second quarter, I thought the Lakers played a phenomenal defensive defensive game, or at least the best that you could play against the Warriors, who just have all the firepower in the world offensively. So Melo, I thought, was a big part of it. Obviously, you have LeBron who contributed defensively. Um, just a really great defensive effort by Melo and by the team. I feel.
1: By the way, you mentioned the second quarter. If you bet with my guy Mark Gunnels today, we put out the video a few hours before game time, and he said, second quarter, that's when the Lakers have struggled. We're gonna see the Warriors surge ahead. Take yep. the Warriors minus three heading into halftime. He was absolutely right. So you banked if you bet with him. Plus today. three or minus three? Uh Warriors were minus three.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: So that means they need to be winning by at least three. And yeah. they were they were doing that at halftime. Uh, Trevor Bailey said the goat in year 19 dropped 56. Let's appreciate greatness while we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the jammy says we need a Rams player to come to every game. LeBron sees blood every time one is in the building and clay has been awful. Well, clay went nuts against the Lakers last time they played. I think he, I want to say he had 36 off the top of my head. Could be wrong somewhere in there, but he was tremendous. And a lot of people were saying up clay is back. Clay did not play great. In fact, Jordan Poole, I thought, outplayed Clay Thompson tonight. Uh, but you know what? If you're the Lakers, you'll you'll take that. If Clay isn't quite all the way back, that helps you get a win. Okay. We're not going to complain right now for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. Clay Thompson, you know, I'm a big, I'm just a basketball fan in general as well. So I love it when you play well, but just not against the Lakers. Please. You can play well against anybody else. Preferably.
1: Preferably. Yes. Uh, Mark Mark said the Lakers won. let's talk about the Lakers 2022 parade. If it's the parade that they're getting for the 2020 championship, we're just catching up on that. Okay. Otherwise let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, King said, where's all the LeBron trade comments at us as Lakers fans need to appreciate him, appreciate him while he's still here. Any team would want him on their team. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, for sure, right? I mean, look, LeBron James is absolutely tremendous. He's done incredible things this season. I think if the Lakers were in the, say, two seed, three seed, four seed, whatever, if they're in the upper half of the Western Conference, we're talking about an MVP campaign, right? I'm not saying he wins it, but he's in the, he's in the discussion. That's how good his season has been. And this is certainly probably his best game of the season, dropping 56 points. Absolutely incredible. But that said, like, Given everything that's gone on, i I also understand why Lakers fans would look at things and say, "Yeah, this is going to be rough moving forward. Do we just reset this thing, rebuild, and go from here?" Now, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because again, we're celebrating a win here, but I, I don't know if you want to like victory lap this and say, "Oh, anybody who mentioned trading LeBron shouldn't be saying that and things. I, I can understand why Lakers fans would would at least consider that based on where they've been and what the cap situation looks like for the future. Not saying it's what they'll do. I've consistently said, I don't think they will do it. I don't think they should do it, but I'm saying I can understand why fans might at least have that thought pop into their head.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it will still be cool for the city of LA uh, to have uh, a parade celebrating that 2020 uh, championship run. I don't know how they would do it because all the guys are so many different places now like ronda's in cleveland uh Ku's kcp they're in washington ac is in chicago so i don't know how you pull it off but no i mean that'll be something really cool for the city of L.A. for sure
1: ivan said hi trevor hi ivan do you think the pacers would accept westbrook and two first for brogdon and healed or turner maybe add in reeves i don't know i don't know if they would that was a, a trade that uh ron gutterman came up with a couple of weeks ago said, Oh, maybe this is something they would consider. It's something the Lakers will have to look at. And we'll talk about Russ a little later. Cause there was some stuff that came out today that we need to get into mm-hmm. again, right now we're celebrating the win, but we'll, we'll get into that stuff. Would they accept that? I I kind of doubt it. I, I don't think the Pacers would go for that. If they would, I think the Lakers would have to seriously consider it. But, uh, but I'm pretty high on, on Brogdon. I think that he's a tremendous player and a great fit, spe- but have some health concerns there. But we're going to get into the Westbrook stuff in just a little bit and what that might mean on the trade front. Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: go ahead. I don't know why the Pacers would do it. Honestly, more I think thought about it is because Russ and Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. like that's, that's worse than Malcolm Brogdon and Halliburton. Cause obviously your number one priority is just make sure Halliburton continues to progress. And again, like we've talked about it a lot recently, unless Russell Westbrook is willing to change his role, like a lot. I don't see why the Pacers would do it, mainly because they have Tyrese Halliburton at this point.
1: Um, Oh, somebody said, Trevor, how was your daughter's soccer match? I mentioned it on uh, on the front office show. It was good. It was a lot of fun. A bunch of five year olds running around in a swarm, kicking a soccer ball. So I got that today. The Galaxy got to win. The Lakers got to win. It's been a good day. It's been a good day. Coach Draft. Yeah. Maddie James said, "Love the way LeBron competed in this game. And no quit rubbed off on the entire team, and they all locked in and started playing team ball, especially on defense. Hey, yeah, you know what? Like, I have two ways of looking at this. Uh, first of all, we should yes credit the Lakers for playing the playing the level of defense that they did, being fired up by LeBron scoring. It shouldn't take that. I, I we talked about this a little bit on LakersNation.com group chat. The Lakers can be this team where." their defense and their defensive effort and intensity can be determined by whether or not shots are falling on the offensive end for them. Now, part of that is the domino effect, where if you make shots, you're largely getting to set up your defense and play up against a, a half court offense instead of going into transition. So there is some real you know, cause and effect here between offensive production and what you can do on the defensive end. But we also see the effort Wayne, on the defensive end of the floor when the Lakers aren't getting the shots to drop. Tonight, shots started dropping, especially when it's LeBron shots dropping. That's what gets everybody really fired up, and we saw them step up. So I want to give them credit for the defensive intensity that we saw today. It mattered. It helped them win this game. I wish we could see it more often. I wish it wasn't so tied to their offense and you just got that consistency night in and night out. But again, for tonight, give the Lakers credit. This is what we've been wanting to see from them.
2: Yeah, and about the LeBron shooting thing, like, this might come off as a bold take, but, I mean, if you don't believe me, I can back it up a film. When LeBron gets going, he's the most impactful player in the NBA not named Stephen Curry. Outside of Steph, there is not a single player more impactful in the NBA than LeBron James when he gets going. Only reason why I say Steph is because, like, you have to worry about him pulling up from 50 feet. His screening and cutting is so underrated that he'll— Screen and you're worried about him. You overcommit. Somebody else gets a backdoor layup. So that's why I say Steph. But LeBron, I mean, he drove baseline. I think that's how Melo got the kick out mm-hmm. threes because the defense converged on LeBron attacking the basket. So, again, LeBron's incredible. I think we keep uh talking about it, but we're beating a dead horse here. But it, it, it's true. He's, he's insane.
1: And you're talking about LeBron when he's on fire compared to Steph when he's on fire, right? Yeah,
2: okay. yeah,
1: yeah. Got it. Uh, Quinton Dangler said Reeves is awesome. Does everything. He's an underrated playmaker. Yeah. You know what? The Lakers relied on Austin Reeves quite a bit tonight. Uh, 34 minutes, three of seven shooting three of five from deep one of one from the line five boards, two assists, three steals, two blocks. He was all over the place. Plus 18 on the night. It was second highest in terms of plus minus second to Malik Monk. Austin Reeves had a really, really solid night. And Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel before the game, he was asked, he was not fed an Austin Reeves question. He was not. He was asked uh, on the defensive end, who has really surprised you this season? The reporter did not bring up Austin Reeves. I believe it was, I want to say it was Dave McMenamin. Alan Sliwa had just asked something. I believe it was Dave who asked that question. And Frankville didn't hesitate, said Austin Reeves said what he's doing is truly remarkable. So the question about who has surprised him the more on the defensive end and he went to Austin Reeves and Vogel even mentioned that, you know, we didn't know if he would ever be what he is right now. Not, not this season if he would ever defensively become what he is right now. And we're still in his rookie season. That's high praise from a head coach that is known as being one of the better defensive minds in the NBA.
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. And Austin Reeves, man. I mean, we're going to get to into the next man up award later. But, yes, Steph kind of got going down the stretch. But Austin Reeves made life so, so, so tough, especially in that first quarter to start the game. Now, Lakers defensively played really well as a team in that first quarter. But Austin Reeves was just making life miserable for Steph. Yes, Steph made a couple shots or whatever. But as a defender, you have to realize, hey, that's a great player. He's going to make a couple shots, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, yeah, his basketball IQ is something that is – Insanely impressive for him to be a rookie in the NBA, and obviously his defensive awareness as well.
1: Yeah, made some made some very nice plays tonight. Got beat a few times defensively, but when you're defending Steph Curry, that's that's going to happen. Carlos Siem, uh said the Lakers won in spite of Russ. It's like he was throwing the game in the last few minutes. I mean, Russ had what he had a turnover down the stretch, but over on the on the night, twenty points five turnovers that that hurts but four boards four assists one three who's one of three from deep shooting 28 percent from three on the season nine for 17 shooting i don't know what what did you make of russ's game in this one sean
2: well the whole blowing the game thing that would be the whole entire lakers team down the stretch not yeah. just russ it wasn't, um
1: wasn't just him
2: yeah it wasn't just this isn't a blame Russ Knight. Russ, I thought, was fine. I thought at the start of the game, I was a little concerned. Um, now, if there is anything you're going to critique Russell Westbrook for tonight, it's the early uh, shot clock pull-up jumper. That kills me. Like, stop it, please. You're not you're yeah. not even hitting it efficiently anymore like when you used to back in your Oklahoma City Thunder Thunderday. So, it's not working. Please stop it. But, I mean, outside of that, man, I thought Russ uh, made some quality plays tonight. And, yeah, he had the turnover down the stretch or whatever, but I mean, Malik Monk had the turnover. LeBron had the eight-second violation. Melo had that turnover late down the stretch as well. So there's a lot of... If you're going to blame turnovers or whatever, don't just blame Russ. I thought Russ was fine tonight.
1: I think we also have to remember that Russ also made a very, very nice baseline drive and then left-handed rifles the pass after floating past two defenders out to Malik Monk for three at a critical juncture. That was an incredible pass that he made. So we got to give him credit. If we're going to say he turned the ball over down the stretch when he shouldn't have, which is true. We also should give him credit for the plays that he did make. And I thought that was a very nice one. I don't think this wasn't like a great Russell Westbrook game, but it wasn't a terrible game either. And might as well talk about it right now. Uh, A lot came out today, a lot about Russell Westbrook. Mark Stein this morning said uh, he had sources that were telling him that essentially Russ has been defiant when coaches have talked about changing his role, when other teammates have talked to him about changing his role. He's pushed back to the point of being defiant. Um, I don't know if that's frustration with how the season has gone or what that's what that's all about. Uh, Stein also reported that there was a league source that said that bringing Russ back next season is impossible for the Lakers. That the tension is simply way too high, uh, and they can't can't do that. And then Adrian Wojnarowski, shortly before tip off.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Said that there was a push within the Lakers to bring Russell Westbrook off the bench and Frank Vogel had resisted that up to this point but said that there was indeed tension between Vogel and Russell Westbrook. And it had uh, occurred recently during a film session as well. They had some, some words there. So that's a lot. (laughs) That's, that's a lot to take in involving Russell Westbrook. None of it sounds that very positive tonight is, is a win and that's great. And of course we're going to continue celebrating it, but I think this is just more evidence that we're probably, however many games are left in the Lakers season, that's probably how many games russell westbrook has left in a lakers jersey i would imagine at this point i would be surprised if he's back next season
2: i would be stunned if russell westbrook is back next season and those reports are just confirming what we've been hearing and being told all season long Mm -hmm. thus far about russell westbrook and the things he would do or maybe he'll act behind the scenes or whatever um with the team in the locker room or in film sessions or whatever. Uh, I think it might have been around the Jazz game. There was another report about Russ and uh, Frank Vogel combating there, too, mm. in film. Um, I can't help but think Frank Vogel kind of like that with his coaching style. He kind of almost welcomes that. Like, that's a problem that's likely going to come up because of his coaching style. And how, like, I mean, you've talked about in the past uh, how open he has his film sessions. Sure. Where he wants it to be kind of a collaborative Uh, thing so I can't help but to think that he's kind of welcoming it but I mean either way uh, I'd be stunned if Russell Westbrook returns next season
1: how the Lakers move on from him is going to be one of the big storylines that we're going to be talking about we're going to talk about the different moves the cap ramifications of all the different ways that they can potentially do that but we look at fit it it doesn't really it, it hasn't really worked even on a night like tonight where Russ was Russ was okay but the bottom line is that you didn't get you you brought him in hoping that he could be Low level superstar. And you're not you're not getting out of getting that. On on a good night, you're getting kind of low level all-star ish player. That's what you're getting on most good nights. Now he does have he did have a game where he dropped 35 against the Hornets. That game, that game is the exception, though. Most nights you're getting at best, you're getting kind of low level all-star production out of Russ. So moving on, I think this offseason is going to make a lot of sense. How they do that, we don't know. We'll see. Now, I will say though that Frank Vogel resisting bringing Russ off the bench, I'm actually on board with that. I I think that he's doing the right thing because I think you can get, if the goal is, you know what, Russ, we think you're going to be better with the second unit, you can still accomplish that while having him in the starting lineup. You just have to switch up the rotation a little bit. You can have Russ spend the bulk of his minutes with the second unit without creating all of the noise and drama of putting him on the bench, and then you're creating a even further divide between yourself and the player. So I actually agree with Frank Vogel in this situation that he's not benching or putting Russell Westbrook on the bench and then bringing him in as a sub. I think he's making the right decision here in that you can because you can still accomplish your goal of putting him in with the second unit without having to go through the fire of benching him and taking him out of the starting five.
2: Yes. If you bench Russell Westbrook, theme, it's going to backlash immediately in terms of like the media is going to be all over it and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I agree. And I also don't think you have to finish him with closing lineups either if you don't feel like... And, and again, this is how I feel how closing lineups should work. The five best players that played in that game. So, I mean, obviously, like it, I'm not going to say like LeBron's like the sixth best player. No, you're going to play LeBron because LeBron gives you the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. But outside of LeBron and unless Anthony Davis is playing... The other four guys should be the four best players. Obviously, obviously makes sense with LeBron on the floor, but the four best players in that game. So if Russ is not one of those four for that game, then he doesn't have to close mm-hmm. in that closing lineup. So, um, and that'll probably be a thing too, but he, who cares? But I think you're creating a bigger issue, like you said, if you start to bring Russ off the bench.
1: I also think if we're thinking from the front office perspective, the best case scenario is Russ You continue to start him. Maybe he goes on a little hot streak. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying this is best case scenario. He goes on a hot streak to finish out the season. And then, and you don't bring him off the bench or anything. If you bring him off the bench, you go into the offseason. Frank Vogel goes into the offseason with very little leverage. Everybody around the NBA is knowing that he's trying to move Russ and that he kind of has to. And I'm not saying that people would suddenly flip on that notion or anything if Russ played well to close out the stretch, but at least he would have a little bit of ground to stand on. I'm talking about Rob Palenka in negotiations. If Russell Westbrook finishes the season playing well for the Lakers, then Rob can say, well, you know what, Mate, we don't have to move him. Look, it started to click towards the end of the season. We think it can actually work. We're not desperate. That's something he couldn't say at the trade deadline the best case scenario for the Lakers is that they're not dealing from a position of desperation in the off season. Now, again, that's not what I'm expecting to happen, but you pretty much guarantee that's going to be the case. If you start bringing him off the bench now, because it's going to be a big deal. That's talked about a lot.
2: Yeah. You just don't want to create more distractions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a big problem. If, if you do do that. I mean, this Lakers team has already struggled. So you're just tackling, adding things mm-hmm. on top of a big pile at this point, And Oh boy. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild off season for sure. But I saw something come across Trevor, mm-hmm. uh, do the Lakers out uh, of these next three, I don't want to get optimistic oh. because I, I said, I said the Lakers, they would have this eight game stretch out of the all-star break. They would play well or whatever. They obviously disappointed with the first four, but these next three, what do you think? How do you think the Lakers fair in the next three?
1: I mean, we could in theory, we could be talking about a three game win streak. You've got San Antonio and Houston coming up next. Um, but that's, that's dangerous. It's dangerous because anytime we've looked ahead and we've tried to predict what the Lakers are going to do, we've wound up being wrong. I mean, you go, oh, cool. The Thunder are coming up. That should be a way. Oh, no, it was. Oh, Portland. That should be a win. No, it wasn't. They have found ways to lose games. I mean, you can look at tonight's game and you look at how many turnovers they had in crunch time. They, it looked like they were finding a way to lose tonight's game. Now, fortunately, they didn't. Fortunately, they didn't. It didn't come back to burn them. But how many turnovers did we see in crunch time? In fact, we saw one from Russ, one from LeBron, one from Melo. Your three veterans, and Malik Monk and Austin Reeves are the other two guys on the floor. Your three veterans who have been through everything in the NBA that you trust to put the ball in their hands. And those are the three dudes who turned it over. They find ways to lose games in incredible ways. So I can't look at any particular game and say, oh, I'm confident they're going to win that one. Three-game winning streak coming That's just not what this team has been this year.
2: Yeah, and again, I want to be optimistic, but I was optimistic after the Jazz game, and then the Lakers lost four in a row. So let's see where the the next game goes, and then maybe uh, I'll become a little bit more optimistic. Mm -hmm. They play again on Monday, and I mean, I'm honestly going to be a little worried about how the energy is. I mean, that's kind of a quick turnaround for this team that has a lot of veterans, Mm -hmm. to say the least, on uh, on this squad. But hopefully they can bring some sort of like something close to the level of effort they played tonight on the road against San Antonio on Monday night.
1: Maddie James of the Super Chat said, can we please re-sign Monk, Reeves, Stanley, Mello, Augustine, and Gabriel for next season? Okay, I have some good news. Reeves and Stanley, you don't have to re-sign. They're already under contract next season. So you don't have to worry about that. All you got to do is pick up your options there. You're fine there. Carmelo Anthony, who knows what he's going to do. Who knows? He's going to, he'll be a free agent. DJ Augustine, he'll be a free agent, but I can guarantee you he's not getting more than the veteran minimum next year. So if you decide you want him, you can probably have him. Uh, that that would be my guess. Uh, Wendy and Gabriel, again, probably a veteran minimum guy. If he clicks here, you can probably keep him pretty easily. The big question mark is Malik Monk. I think he's due for a big pay raise. Can the Lakers be the team to give that to him? It's going to depend on what moves they make. If they ultimately trade Russell Westbrook, exactly what does that trade look like? that's going to be the biggest question mark heading into the off season regarding the guys that you listed there. It's can they get enough money for Malik Monk? And I, I think that's very much in question.
2: Obviously you're hopeful, but yeah, they're going to have to do a lot of cap uh, refiguring in the off season. I know you and Ron do a great job talking about the cap. So I'm going to stay out of that part, but um, uh, they're going to have to do a lot of stuff in the off season to try to bring back Malik Monk. But obviously that's the hope because his effect on the floor is, is huge. And obviously – What he does offensively is huge, like I highlighted in the most recent breakdown I did. His improvement defensively since the start of the season has honestly, quite honestly, probably been the biggest improvement he's made this season. So it'd be huge if you could get him back.
1: Yeah, it absolutely would, especially 24 years old. That's a guy that you could conceivably have with the franchise for quite a while. Uh, Maddie James again said, I love how the Warriors tried to pick on Reeves and he held his own. Also didn't realize how strong Stanley was until Kaminga tried to back him down and he didn't budge. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Austin Reeves, he gets picked on every night, every night. You have teams that go after him that think, Oh, he's a rookie. Doesn't look like he'd be, he'd be much defensively. Let's get after him. Right. Um, and then they get surprised when he's actually really tough defensively and he does a nice job there. So that's great to see you. you Again, you see it on a nightly basis. And then Stanley Johnson, yeah, there was that that play. Uh, and it was funny because the announce crew, and I'm trying to remember if it was Mark Jackson who said it, but I think it was Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, who said Stanley Johnson's really strong. And then as he's saying it, Kaminga tried to just bowl him over and Stanley didn't budge. That's one of <laughs> yeah. the positive attributes that Stanley Johnson has. The The jumper is not something that he's great at but physically this is a strong guy who i mean he's just solid so if you try to move him in the post it's going to be a challenge so that allows him to defend up a position a little bit and on that particular play it really showed how physically powerful he actually is
2: hopefully if the lakers handle this offseason right um stanley johnson will be coming off the bench next season that's because i don't like stanley johnson but because this defense is incredibly valuable. But just preferably, you know, with him not being able to hit the three ball well enough, and teams are literally just going to dare him to shoot it. And some nights he'll hit, he'll go three for four like he did, was it Dallas? He went three for four um, from three. So have, have nights like that where you're like, okay, well, if Stanley Johnson shoots us out of the gym, we'll, we'll lose with Stanley Johnson shooting and making seven threes. But, for most, I mean, shooting 32% from three roughly this season. So ideally, you go get somebody that can compete defensively to even close to the level that he can, but also provide some outside shooting. So uh, obviously Stanley Johnson, you pick up the option, he'll be back. But Mm -hmm. ideally he'll be coming off the bench next season because of the lack of three-point threat from him.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Like he has played, Stanley Johnson has played well enough to where you're excited about him coming back on the contract that he's got for next year. Not saying he's a, a surefire starter, not saying he's a world beater or anything like that but just given the value on the contract that he's on, you want him on your roster. And, and so mm-hmm. that's, I think that's going to happen for next year. Uh, Gary Pentilla said, Russ played okay, but made careless passes at times. Okay. True. Russ looks disinterested on the court and the other players body language looks dissatisfied with Russ. Feels like Russ is wearing on the players. Yeah. Well, if we're, if that's, you know, we're looking at what came out today regarding Westbrook and, and him, um, being defiant with teammates who are even suggesting things, if that is actually the case. And again, that's just one side of things. So, I, you know, we need to throw in an if there. But if that's the case, then I mean, it would make sense if there was a little bit of, of if it, the relationship was a little bit chilly there. But again, I, I think that this is probably going to be the end of the line for Russell Westbrook at the conclusion of the season. And until then, it's just, you know, make the best of it and then we'll move on come summertime.
2: Again, I'd be absolutely stunned if Russell Westbrook is a Laker in the uh, next season.
1: Bruce Holden, no Skip Bayless, the last two weeks to fuel LeBron. He feeds off hate. Let's go on a strong run when Undisputed returns next week. Oh, man, I I would, that would be great. That would be great. But, you know, like, I wonder when when we talk about, like, first take and shows like that, where they just, they focus on, like, hot takes and debates and things, is... I wonder what they really think sometimes because you know, you're not getting honest analysis there because they have to take opposing viewpoints. So you're just, it's, you know, you're, it's like debate class in school or whatever, where you have to take an opposing regardless of what you actually think. And they do a good job. Don't get me wrong. They're entertaining. They make a fortune doing it. It's great. But, uh, but I wonder, does he really hate LeBron that much? I think at this point, it's just kind of part of his shtick. And, and so when LeBron does well, everybody likes to tag him and all that kind of stuff. but, I'm sure he doesn't mind because it's all it just increases his profile that much more.
2: To shout out Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, uh, and use a wrestling term here, hating on LeBron is uh skip Bayless's gimmick. That's his yes. gimmick. Uh, to just hate on LeBron and I'm not gonna go on a tangent about how much I dislike uh debate shows and stuff like that, but Shannon, I'm just gonna say the Shannon's gonna have a heck of a fun time tomorrow or Monday when they do return or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there's there's no way you can believe they have honest analysis. Like that's almost like it, it's physically impossible to disagree with somebody on every single mm-hmm. time. That's like if that's like if you and me Trevor disagreed on like something so simple as, Oh, the Lakers won. Uh, and then I just say, Oh, the Lakers, no, they didn't deserve the win. Like, mm-hmm. no, they played they played well. Like, why are we disagreeing about something that there's no point in disagreeing in? But I digress.
1: Speaking of Chris Masters, somebody asked earlier, where's Chris? So Chris texted us tonight and he he literally rolled out of the wrestling <laughs> ring sometime after halftime. And he saw our Lakers Nation group chat and said, oh, my gosh, thank you guys for sending all of these texts. I'm turning the game on right now. So he, he was backstage after competing in a wrestling match watching the game. So that's that's the update on Chris. He's been doing a lot of wrestling lately. But don't worry, he is going to be coming back on pretty soon uh deandre brown lebron great game only way uh only thing this is turning is if they build on this game and ad comes back plus what's the timeline on ad so best case scenario for anthony davis is he'll be back with like five to six games to go in the season we're talking about probably beginning of next month that's best case worst case maybe he's just out and that's and that's it or maybe they get him back like right when the playing tournament starts that's what we're looking at there. As far as the turning point, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. This is one win. They did look like they they could have very easily coughed up this win, just like we've seen them do so many times. Turnovers down the stretch, all that. Let's celebrate that they got the win. But I'm I'm not I'm definitely not on board with this is a turning point game. I don't think that's there now. If they go on a four, five, six game winning streak off of this, sure, let's look back and say that was it. That was the turning point but I'm not ready to make that leap after one W.
2: This Lakers team has fooled us too many times this season to to say this was a turning point, because I mean, just looking at the schedule, you could have said this was a turning point mm-hmm. after the Brooklyn Nets game on, uh, in January, you could have said it was a turning point game after, uh, if you want to go all the way back to Dallas, when Austin Reese hit that game, when he 3 cap off a three game win streak for the Lakers, you could have said that was a turning point for the season. then, what happens every time where you say, Oh wait, this is the turning point. The Lakers, they show some ininspired basketball, basketball effort, mm-hmm. uh, the next game. So let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. It's exciting to win. But like you said, if the Lakers put together a little run here, then we can maybe go back and say, okay, this was the game where the Lakers put it all together. Yeah.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Somebody asked when Kendrick Nunn will be back again. The last update we've heard is the last thing that we, that we've gotten. Frank Bogle hasn't had anything new lately, they're hoping sometime around the end of March, but it's all still up in the air. I would I would hope that he can play this season, but it, one more setback and that's it. His, his season's probably done because we've run out of run out of time there for, for Kendrick Dunn, which has been a, a blow for the Lakers. He was one of the guys that they brought in thinking he was going to be able to contribute um, significantly to this team. He was their guy that they spent the taxpayer mid-level on and they haven't had him all season. Um, let's see, Avi B. I'll never, ever get while Rob dismantled a title team. Yeah. I mean, especially looking back now, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I think there was a reason why he did what he did after they win the championship. I think you could look at that and objectively say that they got better. And that's what most people were saying at the time, that the moves they made, made the Lakers better, um, than injuries really knocked them out last season. This season, though, the moves they made this offseason have really, really not worked. And um that's that's something they're gonna have to try to fix this summer. They're gonna have to try to make up for uh the issues from the moves last season or last offseason. Uh Mark Mark, rumors Omar Wilkes from Clutch will replace Rob as LA's GM. So no. Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report had that, but he was also very careful, and this was very responsible of Jake to mention that he's getting this from different sources and that he thinks that there's a little bit of an agency battle that is getting incorporated in the information that essentially what's going on is the agents that are outside of clutch that are telling him, these things are wanting this stuff to go public so that it sounds like Omar Wilkes is not going to be around clutch much longer. So therefore the clients that Omar is working on recruiting won't be that interested in signing with clutch. Cause they're like, well, why are you selling me on this? You're going to be gone in a few months anyway that there's he thinks there's maybe a little bit of manipulation going on on that side of things so i would definitely because jake was so forthright in explaining what the information that he was getting and kind of where it was coming from and why he's a little bit skeptical about it i would not assume that that's what is indeed going to happen now if it if they go down that path and it and it happens okay we can look back on this but for the moment i think jake was pretty transparent about saying like look this is what i'm hearing but there might be an ulterior motive for why I'm hearing the hearing things that I'm hearing at this moment.
2: Yes. And uh, again, again, man, this offseason is going to be crazy. You have uh, an, an agency battle going on. Uh, one of the agencies is heavily tied in with the Lakers. And I think there's something we, we kind of talked about this on a, a podcast episode this week that the Lakers might just be getting thrown into it. Like, just honestly, because of, The Rob Palenka rumors about him potentially being on thin ice with the the higher ups in the organization Mm -hmm. and then Clutch already having a relationship. I feel like the Lakers, we talked about it a good bit. The Lakers name just might have been handily tossed, thrown in there if it is a potential agency uh, battle going on.
1: Uh, mood music said ACL injuries must be career suicide for NBA players. Clay Thompson used to be an elite defender before the injury. He looks different. Now ACL injuries back in the day, like you go know, back in like the eighties ACL injuries were like, okay, you're done. Like you're done, done. Um, there was that type of injury, but not anymore. There's been advancements and things of that nature, but it wasn't just an ACL for clay. It was, it was the, the Achilles as well. So it's the accumulation of those things. He hasn't played in a few seasons because he's been hurt. So, it's not surprising. I, I think he'll look better next season than he does right now. It's going to take time to really get readjusted and maybe he'll never be quite what he was. And that's understandable given the injuries that he's, that he's suffered. So I wouldn't just blame it on the one injury. It's the accumulation of them. Yeah. Uh, Cecil Jackson. What was that forward guard and mellow lineup? Why not give when Gabriel some run? Yeah, that, that really did yep, not work. Just talked about it. They, yep. they really got bullied in the paint when that happened. And I no surprise that that was the case. Um, that I think was screaming for winning game, able to get some minutes there. And hopefully in the future, that's, that's what we'll see if that scenario comes up again. TikTok exposed said LeBron James is the goat better than MJ. (laughs) If you want to debate that, go ahead. I appreciate the super chat, but I'm not going to dive into that one. Uh, Bruce Barnes. Did you laugh when Curry hit the one shot and Mark Jackson said he's a special, special player. There's no surprise there. And then LeBron came down to hit the three and Mark just chuckled and repeated it. Uh, no, I mean, like, maybe it's obvious, but he's also not wrong. Like, they're both incredibly special players, very talented players. And I think we're fortunate to get to watch guys of of this caliber on a nightly basis.
2: We were screaming, please don't put the Lakers on prime time. But uh, <laughs> yes. tonight was the one exception. <laughs> they don't play on prime time for a little while, actually. National TV. I don't mind it, actually. I mean, outside that Phoenix mm-hmm. game, it, it, it's a good while. So. Thank you, NBA.
1: All right, let's get into, we haven't done it yet, so let's do the next man up award. So next man up, well, I've got a few super chats left to to get through, but let's do next man up. Who gets the next man up award tonight? So chat, let me know, not LeBron, not Russ, who is the next best player, the best role player on the team? Fire it off. If you come in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, Sean, I'm going to go to you first. Who's your next man up tonight?
2: So I think the only three guys who get thrown out there mm-hmm. is either HBK, Carmelo Anthony, or Malik Monk. Um, yep. I thought all three of them played phenomenal tonight. But Trevor, again, in honor of Chris, I know he doesn't wrestle with this company anymore, but it is WrestleMania season and Mr. WrestleMania's HBK also knows Austin Reeves in basketball terms. Austin Reeves, he was just he was really good tonight. Um, his defensive intensity, uh, his ability to, to not be afraid to knock down a shot. He had a Big time three in that fourth quarter run. Um, his defense, again, just Austin Reeves, he does the little things, which a coach told me once that the little things are not little. They add up mm-hmm. eventually, and they become big things. So there's no such thing as a little thing. Um, and Austin Reeves do, does all those little things, quote-unquote little things, that just add up. And you look, they, they don't pop up on the stat sheet, but his impact is more to be known. So Austin Reeves is my next man up.
1: Jeffrey Williams
2: says Matthew Stafford.
1: For next man and next man, I think I think that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. But I, I agree with your choices here of it's either Mellow, Monk, or Reeves. And here's what I, I love nights like this. I think you can make an argument for all three of them, for any of them, and not be out of line, not, like, not sound crazy making yeah. an argument. They all have legitimate arguments. My pick would probably be Austin Reeves, but Malik Monk. We talked about the little things, six boards, five assists, three steals, 12 points, four for nine from three, four for 10 shooting. Okay, we'll take that. Carmelo Anthony made big plays too. Eight rebounds for Melo, 14 points for him. All three of those guys were fantastic. And so if you want to say it's any of them, I can't say that you're wrong. I think it's just a matter of opinion at this point. They all were absolutely tremendous. Malik Monk was a plus 18, uh, or sorry, plus 19. Austin Reeves was plus 18. Carmelo Anthony was a plus nine, but then hit the big three to help win the game. They were all great. And that's what you need. That's what you need in order to win a game like this against a team like the Warriors is you need your role players to step up and make big plays. And those three guys all did that.
2: If you want to give it to anybody else, my my guess, quote unquote, runner up would be Melo. His defensive intensity all night, especially Mm -hmm. at this stage in his career, to bring that and still have enough juice offensively, I thought, mellow if it wasn't hbk it was going to be carmelo anthony for sure
1: why hustle 90s baby said trevor love the show well thank you why don't you wear your hat anymore and do you think kendrick nunn will come back in time for the playoffs to make a difference my hat i occasionally wear a bit like this became a thing during um w- during lockdown like a lot of people i wasn't going and getting a haircut or anything like that so so my hair was getting crazy so i took i just said okay well i'm just gonna wear a hat on shows because my hair is getting out of control um so like that's probably part of it like i can actually go get haircuts now occasionally i'll still wear one like over on the front office show but for lakers nation unless it's really really cold out so i have to wear a sweatshirt or something like that um because it can get cold in my studio here but otherwise i try to for the lakers nation stuff i try to wear a polo shirt. Um, just because that's what we try to present, front office. It's a little bit more, more laid back, so every once in a while, I'll be wearing a hat or something, or a t-shirt, or or whatever. It's just kind of stylistically what we what we decided to go for 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 Lakers Nation. So, so that's why. Um, do I think?
2: Make sure you guys go check out the front office show, obviously. Yes. Cheap plug.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the the front office show. It's a ton of fun. We do that Monday through Friday, and uh, and Ron's been doing videos over on front office for us as well, doing some quick hitters. But Keith and I do a full length show. Monday through Friday, every day, breaking everything down around the whole league for everybody. And it's, it's a blast. It's one of my favorite parts of my day. Uh, as far as Kendrick Nunn, we talked about him already. I don't know. I, I For his sake, I hope he can come back and get back out on the floor. I think he's a Laker next season, unless they put him in a trade, because I think he is picking up that player option. And that was not the assumption heading into the season. The assumption heading into the season was he plays all season, opts out, he'll cash in this coming off season. But because he hasn't played, I think the Lakers could very well have him on the books next season as well. And I actually think that's a positive. I think this is kind of a freak injury thing. He was a good value signing last season on that number. If you have to wait till this season to get him, I still think at what 5.2 million or whatever he'll be this next season. That's still a good value given what he can provide.
2: Absolutely. And now you don't have to worry about bringing him back or re-signing him rather because he's going to pick up that option very more than likely. And now your roster can kind of... Unless you decide to trade him, which is definitely a possibility. But that bench unit is kind of starting to fill in automatically. Because we're just going to assume Stanley Johnson, you're picking up that uh, team option. You're going to bring back Austin Reeves. And then potentially THT and Kendrick Nunn, unless you decide to trade them. Now your bench has started to fill in on, on his own. Mm-hmm. right? Or maybe a couple of those guys are starters. But um, yeah, I mean, T, I mean, you never want to hope a player gets injured. But... This might be a blessing in disguise for the Lakers in terms of roster, uh, the roster growth and building out your roster for next season, which I feel like is a chips all in season for this Lakers team.
1: Yeah, agreed, especially and we'll know for sure whether it's chips all in or not with the moves they make this summer. Liquid Pulse, no talk about the Lakers HBO show that starts tomorrow. Watch it. Watch. I mean, I, I'm definitely gonna be watching. I'm gonna be checking out. I've read the book, Jeff Perlman's book. I interviewed him on the, the LakersNation.com YouTube channel some time ago. Uh cool guy. And uh and yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna be checking it out.
2: I'm a big like TV series and movie guy, so I'll definitely be checking it out.
1: Uh, what is y'all's opinion on DJ Augustine's play? So I thought he was okay. There were moments where like he's 5'11". There were moments where his size was a factor where he got pushed around on the boards and things like that. There were also moments where he made nice plays. He hit shots. So I know Frank Vogel trusts him. He's been Frank Vogel's point guard twice before. I, I I think he can just be a steady guard. Like, I don't think getting him changes a lot for the Lakers. I don't think he's this impact player, but I think you can trust him to go out there and make some plays that can that can help you. Again, how much do they help you? Probably just a little bit. But that's I think that's a positive considering you're signing him off the buyout market and he's 34 years old midway through the season. I think he can be a positive contributor on a night-to-night basis. I think that's what you're going to get out of him. Not a huge positive, but at least help you out a little bit and give you another ball handler.
2: Yeah, his biggest, I guess, impact comes on the offensive end of the floor because of his shooting ability. And again, just another guard. So you're not having... I mean, I thought he was fine when he did it, but so you're not having THT initiate the offense when Russ is off the floor. Again, I thought he was fine at it, especially after the Hawks game in January. I thought that was a turning point in terms of THT in his new role. But, I mean, now you have another legit point guard on the roster, and again, I've said this in the past, you getting DJ Augustine, I think that means Kendrick not It's likely done for the year. Just speculating there, nothing confirmed, that's just my opinion. Um, But his shooting ability and just another ball handler, I thought he was fine tonight. And he spaces the floor for you. So why not?
1: So here's another question that I've got coming in here. And I think it's something that it's something that I want to address. Um, George Torres says, got to give them props when they win, but can't expect 56 from LeBron every night. Still got to keep playing. Never know how injuries can change the playoffs. Look, I agree. You keep going. The Lakers, there's no reason to tank. They don't have their draft pick. No reason to tank or anything like that. You play hard all the way through. You're right. You can't expect 56 from LeBron every single night. But I'll also say that it's a, we tend to get it in our head. Like, oh my gosh, LeBron had to score 56 in order for the Lakers to win. Most nights he only scores 30. Well then they're missing they needed an extra. They got an extra 26 points out of LeBron James in order to get the win. That's not really the way you can look at it. See LeBron took 31 shots tonight. He typically takes about 21. So there's a, there's 10 extra shots. That LeBron took tonight compared to his average. If LeBron doesn't take those, someone else is. Now, are they going to make as high of a percentage? No, of course not. But especially on a night like this for LeBron James, you'd rather have LeBron shooting those shots. And some of those possessions maybe would have turned into turnovers if LeBron wasn't having a hot night. So I'm not saying LeBron didn't impact this game to a high degree. He absolutely did. But we also have to keep in mind that when LeBron drops twenty or drops fifty six and he shoots thirty one times to do it, which again was fantastic for the Lakers tonight, on a normal situation, it's not like you're just losing twenty six of those points because he shoots his he gets his average of thirty points or twenty nine points or whatever he's at. Other players are getting those shots and they will make some of those shots. So celebrate LeBron hitting fifty six, but it's not like oh, on any normal night, LeBron doesn't go for 56 and they just automatically lose. No, other guys can step up and hit shots too. And you can win games that way as well. I think the biggest key is LeBron hitting those shots, got everybody up and playing a higher, higher level of defense. If that you can replicate, then you can get wins even without LeBron necessarily going for 56.
2: Yeah, and again, I said this earlier on in, in this show, actually, like LeBron, yeah, LeBron at 56, that's a big part of Lakers winning. But like I said, LeBron had 26 in the last meeting against Golden State. I would say that just by watching that game and not, saying, not looking at the stat sheet, but just by watching that game, LeBron had one of his below average games. That wasn't a good LeBron game, and he lost by two points. Anthony Davis didn't play well. So, And also, when LeBron's scoring those 27, 28, 29 points, he's also finding his teammates more often. And this was just the night where LeBron is just ridiculously hot. So he says, I'm just going to shoot it, and I'm going to shoot it until I start missing. And then when I start missing, then I'll change. But until I I miss uh, multiple shots in a row or when I'm affecting the team negatively, I'm going to keep shooting the crap out of the ball.
1: Uh, True. Avi B said, love Reeves, but first play missed LeBron for an easy layup. Okay, so if you wanted to give the next man up award to somebody else, not Reeves because of that, sure. (laughs) Sure. Be my guest. Uh, Big Meech. The one thing I despised from LeBron tonight was when he had the nerve to blame Monk for an eight second violation yep. and he's the one that lost the ball. Yeah. I mean, Can I explain? Yeah, go ahead.
2: Okay. So LeBron, the reason why I think the reason why LeBron was upset, because Trevor, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. LeBron got doubled off of the, mm-hmm. uh, off the inbound. He got doubled. When you get trapped, like the one thing they tell you not to do, or we tell you not to do or whatever is if, if you're a player, is don't just hide in the corner. No, you're supposed to come towards the ball. And that's basically what LeBron was telling Malik Monk. I don't think he was outwardly upset. I think it was just uh, in basketball gameplay, LeBron's like, yo, you can't do that. You have to come towards the ball. Don't hide in the corner. I'm getting double teamed. Mm-hmm. And now you want to say, yeah, LeBron, he's LeBron, he's supposed to escape it still. I mean, he, you're not going to do everything 100% of the time in life or in basketball. So LeBron saying, Monk, hey, if j- even if I break it, still come towards the ball, flash towards the ball. It's the exact term, but come towards the ball so I can hit you. And if I don't hit you and I beat it, well, I beat it. So we're good. But either way, Malik Monk wants the ball to hide in the corner. And that's what uh, that's what LeBron was upset about there. It wasn't nothing ridiculous or whatever. LeBron was just telling him, hey, you can't hide. You have to come towards the ball and get double teamed.
1: Absolutely. And this, this is a concept that actually reflects quite a bit into, into soccer as well. And basketball is the same way. Um, And I said, would say this all the time when I was coaching either sport is you want to make yourself an option. Just be an option. The defense will have to react to your presence just by being an option. You see it all the time in soccer. How many times do you see a guy make a blistering run down the sideline, and it stretches out the defense because they have to go and cover him? The guy never gets the ball, but because he stretched the defense, it ultimately opens something up for a goal for another player. That happens all the time on the soccer field. That it's that similar concept taking place in basketball, right there. Malik Monk has to make himself an option because number one, it gives LeBron that release valve if. If he indeed decides to use it, but he may not have to use it because it's possible. The Warriors defense goes, oh, Malik Monk is open. They shift and that creates an an opportunity somewhere else or just frees up a defender off LeBron. So that was that particular situation. But again, I'm not going to blame LeBron too much there. Sometimes you can, uh, you know, you get a little passionate in the, the final couple minutes of a game. All right. We've got a couple more. Then we need to get to our master lock of the night. Uh, Rocky Adams. What's up, Sean and Trevor? What's up, Rocky? Do you expect the Lakers to go after a center like Willie Colley Stein or Moses Brown? I would, if I had my pick there, I don't expect them to. I think they're done making their moves uh, because they'd have to buy somebody else out, which is going to cost money. Uh, We're talking about probably a Kent Bazemore, somebody like that. I don't expect them to do it. If I had my pick, it would be Moses Brown. I think he's still young enough. Why not give him a shot, bring him in and, and give it a try. I don't think they're going to do. I think if they were gonna, going to do it, they would have already done it.
2: Yeah. And like you said, Ken Bazemore. Ken Bazemore seems to be a, a locker room guy that the team really loves. He's one of those few guys that we've seen, no matter how low the Lakers have gone this season, he's always trying to pick his teammates up. And I haven't gotten the chance to say it because I've been on the live stream a little while, but Ken Bazemore has played really well recently. The little energy plays. He had a couple plays on one to see in the Dallas game or a little drive kick he found Melo Melody knocked down the shot, but just little plays like that. Um, so Ken can base been great. I don't think they would buy him out. And like you said, I don't think uh, the, I think the Lakers are done making their moves. Although I would go get Moses Brown. If that a pick.
1: All right. Vector Nova with the super chat said, I personally feel THT is at his best when he's the primary ball handler out there. And we've seen that he can play make from this season and last season. He can also play to his strengths more. Having him off ball is just bad. That was part of the downside of bringing in Russell Westbrook is you get the, in some ways, skill set duplication between THT and Russ. And when they're on the floor together, it it negatively impacts both. They both are a little bit, a little bit worse. And so you take a guy that you just paid in THT and you put probably the worst fit possible with him in Russell Westbrook. I don't know. I see a lot of people in the comments that have been down on Taylor Horton Tucker in this game. And I get that. Uh, Big Meach said he didn't LeBron didn't get doubled there on that play only clay uh, I'll have to go back and look at that again but yeah I'll watch it yeah but in any event Talon Horton Tucker um, a lot of people have been saying he did not play well tonight and look I, I agree wasn't great he only played 18 minutes 0 for 3 shooting two turnovers five fouls wasn't great but remember he sat out last game with an injury with an ankle injury so and I don't know was this, is he at 70% right now is he at 90% is he at 100% we don't know and so I'm not saying you can just write this off as he's hurt. I'm just saying you have to consider that as a possible reason why he was particularly bad in this one. Maybe he's great and he just had a really bad night, but he did sit on the bench last game injured, and so we don't know what he's really at percentage-wise right now.
2: And to go off the skill set duplication point, I mean, it's even been amplified since, like I mentioned, THG's role has changed. Since January, when the team was kind of like, okay, Kendrick Nunn, is, if he does come back, it's going to be significantly later on in the season. We need a second ball handler slash uh, offense initiator, especially I think around that time, AD was out. So you're running a lot of small ball LeBron at five, at the five. So THT was that guy. And if THT is initiating the offense as that is a second guy, second potential guy, now they literally have the same role and their skill sets are so similar. Mm-hmm. They can't really shoot. Although THC's kind of gotten better a little bit down in the last maybe 20 games or so. He's gotten a little bit better at it. Um, but like they're not some great shooter where you're worried about them. Um, I mean, th- THC's a really good finisher, but they're not like basically you're not worried about them if, if you're an opposing defense and they're they get picked on defensively, although THT does show some promise. So you have the skill set duplication, and they're playing the same role in the offense. So yeah, it's just not an ideal pairing. And Ron's been saying that since November. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Master Lock of the Night. Let's do it. Chat, let us know. I know recently we've had so many games where have just been like no awards or anything because everybody was so down. Let's, let's roll this out. The Master Lock of the Night. We take Chris the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold, and we put it on whatever was the most annoying thing from this game, whether it was a Laker, a Warrior, a referee, something else. So let us know, chat, what is it that you are putting in the master lock tonight from this game? I'm already seeing the responses coming flying in. Sean, what, what gets your master lock tonight?
2: Uh, the master lock for me tonight is gonna be something that's kind of been a problem all year long for mm-hmm. the Lakers, and it's the execution down the stretch, man. It is rough watching the Lakers and the last. Four or five minutes of a close game. I mean, I've said it a billion times already. Like the Lakers have lost thirteen games by one or two possessions, and you can't tell me with the straight face they didn't feel like, although LeBron was going insane, you couldn't tell me it didn't feel like, oh boy, the Lakers are about the what do you say, uh, snatch the people from the jaws victory yeah. again. Like you can't tell me you didn't have that little feeling in you it's because the Lakers, for some reason, you know, they're this veteran team, they just can't execute down the stretch and i mean i have little theories on that why that is but i mean yeah i mean it's frustrating the turnovers the offense stalling out unless lebron is being lebron um so it's it's the execution as a team down the stretch it's been a problem all year
1: yeah i gotta agree as much as i wanted to find something that was warriors that was official something that's not lakers because they won the game But we did see that same problem rear its ugly head where they have somebody in the, the chat here summed it up nicely. Veteran turnovers. Yeah, and this has been kind of this team's MO this season was that you've seen veteran players act like rookies, like young players. We've seen the Lakers largely struggle dealing with adversity, struggle with bad turnovers due to unforced errors like just shooting themselves in the foot, not understanding the flow of the game, defensively being out of sorts. We've seen veteran players make the mistakes that very very young players make and so that's also what i'm going to master like because really this game didn't even need to be as close as it was down the stretch had the lakers just taken care of the basketball a few times they, they, i mean they probably would have cruised here which is i mean, I mean it says something first of all how brilliant you know lebron was and the lakers effort and, ten- and intensity and everything a win is a win and it's great and we should celebrate it but that stretch in the fourth where it felt like the oh no here we go again they're going to give this game away it's just indicative of the overall problem one of the overall problems that they face this season and that's what just turnovers mistakes mistakes that are not typical of a veteran team and so that's what i would also go with as well agreed all right everybody appreciate you guys oh matt riggs do you think reeves could be rookie of the year no no, let's no. not get crazy here. Reeves has been very, very good. He's been a fine for the Lakers, but Rookie of the Year, no. He's he's not in the mix for, for that. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. Don't forget to ring the notification bell as well. The Lakers won. <laughs> the Lakers won a game. We, we get to celebrate a Lakers victory. Next up is the San Antonio Spurs. Who knows? Maybe they'll make it two in a row, and then we could celebrate. What's it called? A winning streak. It's been so long since we've had one. What? To, What's that? We, that? would be fantastic. So got to love that. It's a win. We get to smile today and celebrate. Enjoy this. It's been too long since we've been able to. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?